What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you as almost always with my super duper incredible, fantabulous, spectaculario, awesome times awesome. I am saying all this stuff out of order because I am way overtired. Co-host Andrew D. Bailey. We have some fun mailbag questions to get to. We're going to talk a little bit about this player that's named Kevin Durant. Not sure if you've heard him, some Blazers Warriors. Before we get to doing that, though, I just want to continue reminding, imploring, begging, pleading with everyone to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. We are also wherever else you get your podcasts, whether that's Art19, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, Spotify. We are everywhere and pretty much anywhere. Still, iTunes is the best way to help us out. We love seeing the ratings go up. We want to read your feedback, your opinions on the podcast. So please leave some comments in the reviews and definitely subscribe if you have not done so already. Also make sure that you are following us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Be sure that you're also following the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're pumping out a ton of great content over there, not just in, in the NBA either, just across all sports, Blue Wire Pods. Again, Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. So make sure you're doing all that. But with all the housekeeping notes out of the way, I get to ask, Andy, Nate, please, can you name all the John Wick 3 spoilers for us, please? <laughs> uh, I would never, first of all. Um but that movie is fantastic, and it deserves no less than like three billion at the box office. Three billion—that's an ambitious <laughs> number, it seems like. Uh, yeah, but I think it's worth it, every penny. How are you actually doing this morning? I'm doing good. Um, ready to to talk about Kevin Durant. Ready to dive into the mailbag. Uh, I uh, I'm feeling vindicated every time the Warriors win without Kevin Durant. So it's it's been fun. Why do you feel vindicated? <laughs> because I've been pounding the drum. Um, not necessarily that they don't need Kevin Durant, but I think I, I just – isn't this team infinitely more fun when he's not playing? I, I can't be the only one who feels that way. Infinitely more? Probably. There's definitely more or, or at least a chance for more drama, I feel like. They have – there's more of an opportunity for them to actually be unbeatable with him on the court, which takes some of the fun out of it. And then aesthetically, there is just more movement and Steph with the ball in his hands more, getting more of those dream, dream and green Stephen Curry pick and rolls. It's, it's, I guess it is more fun to watch. I just feel, I feel dirty saying it that one of the five best players in basketball removed him from this team. And it's just a lot more fun. Um, I, I, I feel the opposite of dirty. I feel cleansed when I say 
<laughs> I uh, did you see the the title odds that Caesars released yesterday? The Knicks being third, right? Yeah, the Knicks are like third or fourth or something like that. Um, do you think all these wins? And it's not a it's not a bunch of wins. It's what like three or four now? Um, do you think Golden State playing well? without him increases or decreases the chances or is he just has he been gone for a while well that's what i was i have no idea i was actually gonna ask you that because so the warriors released an injury update on Durant yesterday and said that he's not going to travel with the team for games three and four and so what i'm really wondering and then steve kerr came out at the end of the game saying that the calf strain is worse than they initially thought he's making progress he's just not ready to go if it actually is worse than they thought and they're just not doing this as a precaution, because there could just be something to the train of thought where they go, hey, we're not going to play him again until we need him. And maybe that's not until the NBA Finals. Like Maybe they were just planning on sitting him out until they lose two games in this series if it comes to that or something like that. If it is actually more serious than they thought, what happens if they end up winning the title and he doesn't come back? What if it's that bad? And then that made me wonder. What did you say? <laughs> Then he's got to go, right? You think he's got to go or that he's got to come back? I I go back and forth with it. I have no idea. If you told me that he didn't play in another game this season and then you asked me how that impacted his free agency, I legitimately have no answer. So here's here's why I think it might not impact it because I I think there's a chance his decision was made a long time ago and that regardless True. of what happens this postseason, he's already – the groundwork's already been laid for him to go to the Knicks. Um, or if you believe some reports, the Nets. Um, I so, so if the decision's already been made, obviously this stuff doesn't matter that much. But I don't know. He seems like a guy who cares about the outside opinion of others a lot, despite how often he says that he doesn't. Um, I, I can't imagine the takes and I'm sure I'll have plenty of them myself if the Warriors win a title without him playing the entirety of the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals um, and I think I think his absence is going to be a lot bigger issue if in the finals um, that's kind of a captain obvious statement but the Bucks have Giannis the Raptors have Kawhi they <laughs> Kevin Durant obviously matches up better with those guys than just about anybody in the NBA so they're going to need him in the finals. I do still think they can beat either one of those teams without Durant. Um, but they're, they're obviously a better team if he is there. I mean, they're so here's what I've kind of settled on. I'm rambling at this point, but um, in the last couple of days, I thought when Durant and Curry are both playing, it, the, the Warriors are on this, you know, one ridiculous level. Um, I think when Curry's playing and Durant is not playing, they're a level slightly below that. And then when Durant is playing and Curry's not playing, they're at a level like way below that. Um, I hope that makes sense. Their their ceiling is clearly with both of those guys, but I would not be shocked if they still won the title without Durant. What happens if, do you think it impacts free agency if, let's say, he can't play again and then they lose in the finals? And then there's the element of, oh, they need KD. Yeah, um, I actually think that would impact. I think that would have a, a more of a uh, uh, that would motivate him or the Warriors or whatever more to keep it together. Two thousand sixteen s just because they lost, 
and then he joined them. So now they lose again, and he wouldn't leave them. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you said in the question. Then there's the talking point. They actually need him. Um, I don't know if that would change KD's mind. I think it would certainly impact how the – I mean, the Warriors want him back regardless, I'm sure. Right. If they, if they win the title and he doesn't play a single game in the finals, they could probably at least talk them in, themselves into, well, we, we, did, we did the two most difficult rounds of the playoffs, the Western Conference Finals and the Finals. Um, without him so maybe we'll be fine maybe we can we can max clay and you know sign guys on the fringes again and be okay moving forward but i think if they if he doesn't play in the finals and they lose to the bucks or raptors there's going to be a little bit more of some some dread from them if they lose him would you pick them to beat the raptors and or the bucks without Durant? does it change based on the team that they end up facing i think i would probably still pick the warriors I'd be very reluctant to, for some reason. I think, I'd probably go Golden State in seven in both cases. What's that? I'd probably go Golden State in seven in both cases, but I would feel I thinking too. Yeah. sub-zero confident in that pick. Well, the thing about that pick, too, is um, I know they won't have home court against Milwaukee. They wouldn't have home court against Toronto either, would they? No, they wouldn't. Yeah, so even... <laughs> The seventh game is going to be in Toronto or Milwaukee, so that makes it slightly more interesting. Um, I would probably still take the Warriors, but this this has basically been my um, fallback answer for months now. I, I will pick the Warriors, but I will not be shocked if the Bucks or the Raptors win. If the war, so if the Warriors continue to play without Kevin Durant before before we even get to the. NBA Finals, do you think there's a puncher's chance at all that Portland gets back into the series, or or is it just over? Game two kind of felt like that was their chance to really, particularly with Kevin Durant going to be out in games three and four, if you took one in Oakland, and then you went one and one at home, all of a sudden it's 2-2, and maybe something could happen, especially if Kevin Durant isn't back by then. Or, But the Blazers have been like, I didn't think they were going to beat the Nuggets, I didn't think they were going to beat the Raptors. Have you seen anything from this team that suggests that Hey, maybe they could win two in a row at home against a Durantless Golden State team. I think they could. Um, I, I also didn't think the Blazers would win in either of the first two rounds, so they've already proven me wrong twice. Uh, and there's there's always been something about Portland's home court advantage, um, especially in the Damian Lillard era. It feels like they are just really, really tough to beat there. So I wouldn't be shocked if they win a couple games at home um, and maybe. It sways the momentum a little bit, but that's exactly what Houston did against Golden State, and they they still lost in six. Um, they they absolutely have to win both games at home. Obviously, if they if they split in Portland, they're they're cooked. Um, so I think this, like you said, that was probably their best shot last night. I think I think they probably get one in Portland, and this ends up being a five game series. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you there. Unless Seth Curry goes full Stephen Curry, and then maybe they could just <laughs> rattle off two in a row. The Damian yeah. Lillard is just stuff is weird. I feel like he he had some he had like two big games in the Nuggets series, but since that Oklahoma City series, I saw this on Twitter uh, during Game Two was that the Damian Lillard sell his soul to destroy Russell Westbrook, and now he just <laughs> he can't make any of his shots. That's pretty good. 
He uh, so he averaged in the his OKC. true shooting percentage in game two. By the way, was over sixty. So you know, five of twelve on three, six of seven at the line. He wasn't. Oh, yeah. So maybe a little bit of a bounce back. Yeah, he ten to six in the first round, and he shot forty six percent from the field, forty eight percent from three, and then since then he's averaging twenty four on forty percent from the field and thirty one percent from three. So yeah, it's a pretty significant difference. Yeah, so we both still have the Warriors in this series. That's that's a pretty easy decision. I do you want you said the Warriors are more fun without him. I personally want Kevin Durant to come back because if someone's going to beat the Warriors, like if the Raptors or Bucks are going to beat the Warriors, I'd rather them see uh, it be a full strength well, situation. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think a, the Warriors run away against either the Bucks or Raptors with with KD. I know I had the Raptors since the preseason getting to the NBA Finals. I'd say there's probably a bigger chance that Golden State would then steamroll Toronto, though, uh, just based off what we've we've seen from the Raptors in the playoffs. This year, I still think both teams, even against the full-strength Warriors, would just have more than a puncher's chance of, of beating them and that we might be in for a classic six- or seven-game set no matter what. Yeah, I think the finals are going to be fun. I think they'll be pretty competitive. So I'm, I'm looking, whether, whether Durant's back or not, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Did you see Seth Curry's um, quote about guarding them without Durant, by the way? I did not. I wonder if I can find it again. I know Bleacher Report posted it, so let's see if I can find it on their timeline. Um, There's still, even without Kevin Durant, just that Draymond Green, Stephen Curry pick and roll, and they, I know they don't go to it just a ton, but that's just absolutely unstoppable. And then Stephen Curry yeah. hasn't missed a clutch free throw in the playoffs since like 1984 or something crazy <laughs> like that. I think you're right. Um so this is this is Seth Curry on the Warriors without Durant. And this is actually from The Athletic. It's just Bleacher Report did the old hat tip. Um, they move around faster when KD's not out there. They're definitely not a better team, but they're harder to guard. Well, KD does things for them defensively, too. And if you look at the just some of the on-off numbers for them this year, the Kavon Looney, Draymond Green front court, during the regular season, I looked at that since it was a bigger, bigger sample size. When Kevin Durant was off the floor, a green loony front court gave up almost 120 points per 100 possessions. So that's huh. he's he can be important to what the Warriors do defensively too, even just rebounding because you have two undersized guards with uh, two undersized guys, excuse me, with loony yeah. and, and green. That's important. So I think I would probably tilt toward green with that quote, and they're they're less predictable without him because of all the movement where they still might be, they might be easier to guard, but might be more efficient. They're going to be more efficient with Kevin around the floor just because he can get his shot off. However he pleases just, yeah. he's listed at six, nine, but he's like eight foot two and he can just <laughs> rise and fire over everybody. And so it doesn't matter if you know that the offense is going to slow down, that there aren't people moving off the ball as much. It matters sometimes because their half court offense seems like it gets bogged down, but really it doesn't. Also, because he's so he's so unguardable. Yeah. Do you agree with his quote then, though? I guess as I do, that's not really a hot take then, because you're the one that's saying they're more fun without yeah. Katie anyway. I mean, obviously, I've, I haven't been out there trying to guard him, and I'm, I haven't looked at the numbers really either on this. But just from watching them play, um, the idea that they move more without Durant, I think, is objectively true. I don't I don't know how you could watch. 
the two different versions of the, of the warriors and not see that. Um, everybody's moving with or without the ball. The ball's flying around. There's it seems like there's very few isolations um, when Durant's not out there. And it's just it like it's just a funner brand of basketball. Funner. More, <laughs> thank you. A more fun brand of basketball. Um, their pace one, in these last four games uh, without Kevin Durant, and there were two of those are against the Rockets. It's still at ninety five, uh, ninety seven point five possessions per uh, forty eight minutes. I'm looking at their pace in the Blazer series right now, and they're nice. at ninety eight point two five. I'm actually surprised that they're not playing even faster. Right. I know things slow down the playoffs in general, but what's their offensive rating over the last four games? Last four games, their offensive rating is one fifteen point six. That's very very good, but I don't think it's much higher than what they did in the regular season. Um, I think in the regular season they were like one fourteen. I'm going to look it up real quick. And they um, their so their offensive rating too before Kevin Durant went down was as this loads. They were. Oh, wow. Oh, well, that Rocket series was kind of a rock fight. No, they were 117.9 in the 10 games they played with Durant. Huh. So <laughs> maybe it all is just an aesthetic thing with me. Um, it's, I think it's an aesthetic thing with everybody. Yeah. I, what I will say, so next year, let's say he does leave. Are they still title favorites? Um, let's well, assume see- Clay comes back. Iggy. No. I know some people said that Iggy Dahl was going to retire, and he's owed like – 16 or 17 million he's not retiring yeah no one's leaving that on the table if they keep the livingston i think everyone believes is gone kavan looney's going to be an interesting free agent to watch but if they just bring back if kevin durant leaves and they bring back basically everyone maybe they're able to use the mini mle on someone who matters or they get a veteran or two ring chaser or two at the veterans minimum would you still pick the warriors as title favorites i guess it would depend on how the rest of uh, free agency in the off season plays out, they would, you know, obviously be in the conversation. That same uh, Vegas odds, those same Vegas odds we referenced earlier, still had the Warriors as the favorite. Um, I can't even remember who. I think the Bucks were second, and then maybe the Knicks. The Bucks, I was, they were only a plus four hundred. I was like, damn, we don't even know what's going on with. We kind of do. I would expect Middleton to be back, uh, Brogdon, but Brooke Lopez, Miritich, Brogdon, Middleton, all free agents. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. Be, I don't know who would bet on title odds this far in advance, especially on the Knicks at plus twelve hundred. Yes. I think they weren't. They don't have any replacement level players right now. Imagine making no. a twelve to one bet when they have zero above average players. Yeah, the and then Durant and Kyrie go to the Nets. Is there? Uh-huh. But to me, there's nothing. I'm trying to think of what a, a team could do over the offseason that would make them clear cut favorites. And I think the only thing I come up with is if Toronto or Milwaukee beats Golden State this year and then yeah. brings everybody back is the only way that I wouldn't pick Golden State. That being said, just because what Houston's Lakers, not going to... What no, if the Lakers get nope. Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving? No. Yeah, they're going to have no team around them, so that's fine. People sure. get mad whenever we talk trade. Whenever I talk trade packages for Anthony Davis because they say the Lakers are giving up too much. And I'm like, now that they have the number four pick all of a sudden, I'm like, their offer is going to be the same plus the number four pick that it was. Like, yeah. I don't know... Uh, my whole thing, though, is they would be so so much more vulnerable just to have to go through, this is the Warriors now, an entire season without Kevin Durant. And I'm wondering if that really That's warps their postseason yeah. stock in a way that we can't see just yet. 
Yeah, that could be for sure. Hey, one more thing before we jump into the mailbag. You want Harrison Barnes back in Golden State? <laughs> um, yeah, make it the entire old Warriors. He needs and to it, opt out and then go back for the mini okay. MLE. Pull DeMarcus Cousins and sign for the mini MLE. <laughs> um, did you see Jimmy Butler's Instagram post? I did. Um, should we should we read into that or should we not? I would like to hear I'm because you brought it up. I want to hear your opinion on it because I feel like I'm the one who typically uh, vamps about social media posts, and so I'm like very impressed. I don't know if Shelby told you because I know she's all over the social media stuff, but I'm very impressed that you have a take on an Instagram <laughs> post. I'm very excited. I don't know if you could tell, but yeah, I, I, he's gone. That that's my oh. take. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's gone. Tobias Harris is there. We I think we just talked about this last episode. I think our my opinion on whether it'll be Butler or Harris stays in Philly has changed probably like five times. And this is the capper right here. I don't know. Philly, Philly's fans um, and Philly's fans and writers were preaching patience. And I don't, you know, I, I thought the caption was fairly innocuous. I feel like I'm the one that normally has the hot takes. You had Joel Embiid with the prayer hands comments on it. Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. So I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't think it means he's gone. And I don't, I don't know why he, they gave him, if they're just going to tell him that they're going to give him more control over the offense anyway like they did in the playoffs it's less of an incentive to read I was we've talked about these numbers before but I was writing about this um last night actually as I stutter through it but so looking ahead to when Ben Simmons signs his next deal whether it's an extension it'll kick in in 2020 2021 if they if the Sixers had to max out Jimmy Butler Tobias Harris and then they didn't have to pay Ben Simmons, the designated rookie extension. Let's just say he doesn't make an All NBA team, which he might. Uh, they're looking at a payroll between those four. Their four player commitment in 2020-2021 is 129.2 million dollars against a 116 million dollar cap. Jeez, 13.2 million over the cap with four, four players. players, and there's a chance you know if Ben Simmons does qualify for that 30 percent max, that that number then explodes. So. I still think that I would say Tobias Harris is the one most likely to leave, if only because I could see the feelings being mutual there, where maybe he would want a slightly bigger role and the Sixers can't necessarily reconcile uh, paying their fourth best player that much money. I know managing partner Josh Harris said that this was funny too. At the exit interviews, managing partner Josh Harris says the team will go into the tax to win. And then Elton Brand was like, no, well, you know, we got to be judicious in how we spend. And I thought <laughs> normally you would think it would be the other way around or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's weird. But that's interesting that I thought um, – that's interesting that you think that, that he's gone. <laughs> he's going to the Clippers. That would be your pick for him? Um, yes. That's my pick for Jimmy Butler. My pick is the Nets if he's leaving. That would be really interesting. If they had – um, Russell, LaVert, Dinwiddie, Butler. That's a nice, solid... Uh, Jared Allen. They have two picks okay. in the first round this year. but And people, uh, mostly around the Nets, they don't want Jimmy Butler in Brooklyn. I will say, I wouldn't be thrilled about paying his next contract, but with the way that the Nets have managed minutes of key players and how much emphasis they've put on player durability there and all the money they've invested in just health and movement science. I think 
that he could end up, that that's the team that actually, when looking at which squad could potentially get the most out of a yeah. four-year deal from Jimmy Butler, I actually do think that's it's a good Brooklyn. Point. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now, it's not the Lakers. They'll run him into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to the Lakers either. I, it seems like the only person who wants to play with LeBron is Anthony Davis. And now Kyrie Irving, maybe, funnily enough. Oh, that, that too. Do you th- so if he leaves the Sixers, this, and then we'll get some of it, I swear. Is that, is that a massive failure on their part? Just you give up Rocco and Dario Saric to get him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't look and good. And Jared Bayless, excuse me. Can't forget it doesn't that. look good from, from that perspective. Because Covington was, he was great for them. And so was Saric. I mean, we did the best lineups in the league last season. And I think that one was number one, wasn't it? They somehow won this season too, even though they didn't really play again. I'm just kidding. They didn't. But it was the best, it was the best lineup in the league. That or the Timberwolves starting lineup, I can't remember. Simmons, Redick, um, Covington, Saric, and Embiid was very, very good last season. And it probably would have just kept getting better if it had more time to grow together because Saric and Covington are both fairly young too. Kevin Covington's probably in his late twenties, so he's maybe not um gonna develop anymore. So yeah, I mean if you look at it that way, they lose him for nothing. That's probably <laughs> if you look at all then they gave up, so they'll trade let's say they'll they'll end up trading Markel Fultz, Miami yeah. Heat's twenty twenty one pick, Land Landry Shamit, Robert Covington, Dario Saric and there's a chance that all they could end up getting back, I'm assuming they're going to waive Jonathan Simmons, uh, is two second-round picks because that Oklahoma City pick has a good chance of um, not being a first-round pick. And then Tobias Harris. Yeah, that's... That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that, that would not be great. Um, I guess maybe the only way you can justify it is you say, we just took we took our big swing this season. Which is probably not a great justification because the Warriors still exist. And you didn't do it. It wasn't like you made the Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris trade simultaneously. You shook up your team twice in the middle of the season. Yeah. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming. Expensive. So many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Hardwood Knox podcast listeners can try ShipStation free, free, for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Dot com. Make ship happen. You ready to do some mailbag stuff? I know you're ready. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Um, we kind of already talked about this. Brett Drake at B Drake 25 
How personal is KD taking it with all the talk about how the Warriors can still win without him? That has to be an awkward situation. All bullshit aside, that has to be an awkward situation for him to be in. Yeah. To, to be out and realize, I'm sure you want your team to... Right, and I'm sure he's seeing them with his burners. <laughs> it's just, you want your team to succeed, but there is that feeling of, I, I want to be needed too. And so yep. it's, I honestly, I honestly don't know, but it has to be tough to watch. Hopefully he's not... Especially so- if the... If the because there's been rumblings for years that it's kind of bothered him that it's stayed Curry's team this whole time. If that's true, then this this current run, whatever you want to call it, certainly has to affect that. Mike, my rebuke to it though would be, what did you expect upon coming here? Like this is this is why you came here. They won seventy three games without you. I know it's you know, three years later, basically, but if he still feels that way, I don't know why. It, it like those feelings will be harbored. It, it would be tough in general, I think, just to be injured and not realize that you don't matter necessarily, but see that this team is still championship caliber without you. I don't think there there's another situation in the league. You can't, I'm, I'm trying to see how deep it goes, but you can't pull, I would say, a top 20 player off any single team. And then that team is still a title contender. I'm trying to think of a situation where that would come close. And I don't, unless people think that Kyrie Irving, you take him off the Celtics and they're somehow better. Which we've we've talked about that too, and um, statistically there wasn't a real strong argument for that. But emotionally, <laughs> mentally, <laughs> spiritually, <laughs> spiritually, he would of all people who would appreciate that angle. It, sh- it should be Kyrie, um, Dave Leonardis at Mister Leonardis. If by some chance AD changes his mind, how far does an AD? Zion, Drew, Troika, take the Pels in the West. I mean, the only players we know they have on their team at that point is Etwan Moore. Yeah. Uh, maybe they bring Darius Miller back. I, I don't know. And let's not forget, Zion Williams is going to be a rookie. Rookie, yep. That's why the whole, is he going to be enough to convince Anthony Davis to stay? I don't really buy into it. Now, the Pelicans have a path to getting more than $20 million in cap space, assuming Julius Randle declines his player option. And they, if they figure out a way, they could obviously stretch the final year of Solomon Hill's deal, but if they figure out a way to grease the wheels of a dump for the final year of Solomon Hill's contract, maybe it's a matter of sending him for, to the Cavs for J.R. Smith's partial guarantee, and they get in the max money conversation, does a player like Tobias Harris consider them? Maybe a player like Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler? that changes the whole conversation because I doubt, I would love to see Kawhi Leonard play with Anthony Davis, but I don't, like those guys aren't going to New Orleans. I don't know if that, they need another guy before I'd be like, you know what, they're top five in the West. I don't know that that team, I think they would still face a lot of the same issues that they did this season. Um, Yeah, and I, so I, I pretty much agree with you. I think their ceiling, if Anthony Davis stays and Zion's the starting four, um, and then you kind of just fill out the roster. Obviously, Drew, and then you fill out the roster after that. I I think they're probably in the playoffs, but I don't think they crack into like that that top tier of the West. So like the top three or four, I think they're still going to be in that big bunch of teams that's competing for like fourth through tenth or eleventh or whatever it'll be next season. Because like you said, we don't Zion was unreal in college basketball, one of the few players that got me to actually tune into some college basketball games. I think the last time that I 
would consistently turn on college games is when Ben Simmons was playing for LSU. Um, so he's, I think he's going to be really, really good, but I think there will be an adjustment period, uh, for him. So I don't think he instantly makes them some kind of a title contender or some kind of like a Western conference finals contender. I think it would take time. And I don't, I just don't think AD's changing his mind either. I'm he's the report came out what within like an hour winning the lottery that he hasn't changed his stance. Um, so I'm sure someone from his camp probably told reporters, Hey, we still want out. Right. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll probably end up getting traded this summer. I have no idea where, um, now that we know the lottery results, I feel like there are multiple teams that can make intriguing offers. I guess it just depends on what new Orleans wants most. I think the Lakers offer is still intriguing. Um, I, and it may be the most intriguing because they have the added leverage of saying, we know he's going to resign here. Um, I don't know how much I would be willing to give up if I'm the Celtics. Um, Particularly if you don't know whether it guarantees Irving's return. That's exactly. a nice chicken and egg question. Do you trade for Kevin Durant to get Kyrie Irving to stay? Or do you yeah. wait to see what Irving does and then go after Davis? Yeah, and that's a it's a tough spot that the Celtics are in. Um, I think the Knicks could probably tuck themselves into it a little bit more. I feel like, for whatever reason, there's maybe more of a chance that Anthony Davis would stay in New York than he would in Boston. Um, but but the one team that I think can really tuck themselves into that we can get him to resign is the Lakers. So I think he's gone. Um, but the Pelicans are going to be fun without him, I think. It, it, I, I don't think this is what will end up happening, but... If New Orleans starting front court next year is Zion Williamson, Williamson, and Mitchell Robinson uh, from the Knicks, I think that'll be really, really fun. Um, this one's might be tough without a ton of preparation, but is Terrence Ferguson good on defense? You, you can hit me with it. I'm not. I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, Ty Yeager, Ty Yeager Radio. Uh, who do you think the Spurs need to go after in the draft and free agency? The draft is – I wonder in their spot. My guess is no. I think that they have – he was supposed to go um, a little earlier than that, but if they could take like a swing on a high-variance prospect like Kevin Porter Jr. would be fun for them. Um, the two guys that I know I'm going to talk myself into towards the middle end of the first round are both Keldon and Cam Johnson, and this team just needs, I would say, more swingmen slash wings. Um, I think all three of those guys could be available at the, for the Spurs because they're picking nineteenth. That's that's not too far behind the lottery. Kevin Porter Jr. I don't I don't really know where he's gonna end up. So they, I would love to see him in San Antonio. Would be one of the teams there. If you told me Kyrie Irving was gonna leave, I'd be very interested to see him in Boston. Maybe there'd be a path to him getting immediate playing time there. Uh, San Antonio's tough too because you have Javante Murray coming back. Good season from Bryn Forbes. Uh, Derek White now, do they think that they have something in Lonnie Walker? So maybe they don't want, you know, they could be, that's not a lot of guys who can play the three. There's a lot of guys who can play the two there. So maybe you want more of a three, four for them. Free agency wise, uh, they're not going to have more unless they really strive to create cap space. They're not going to have more than the non-taxpayers mid-level exception, which is worth a little more than $9.2 million this year. I don't know what type of player you're getting for that. To me, though, you definitely need that 3-4. Just that it could be a guy who can play the 2-3 
or four? And I don't know, is it, can they go as low end as a Damari Carroll might be someone who really helps them, just someone who can hit threes and then will work his butt off on the on the defensive end. So maybe someone like that. There, there are some intriguing restricted free agents, but again, with the mid-level exception, you're not going to have the ability to force teams into tough decisions. So there's no, for me at least, there's just no obvious free agency pick. Rudy Gay is probably someone that they definitely need to bring back. They have his early bird rights. Someone like Garrett Temple would intrigue me. He can play a lot of 2-3. You're not going to get minutes at the 4 from him. Reggie Bullock, that's another guy. Again, that's that's a 2-3. There aren't a lot of affordable 3-4s out there this year for them. And I, I don't necessarily like the Trevor Ariza fit. My guess would be, I know he's gone after the bag in years past, but my guess would be that he wants to go to a team that's just a little bit better place to make more noise in the the Western Conference. Yeah, I think philosophically I'm on the same page as you here. They need more positionless guys, um, especially if they lose Rudy Gay because he's he's one of the guys on their team that kind of is that right now. Um, Maybe a James Ennis for them. That's someone who could play the 3-4. Yeah. I wonder if Tyreek Evans' value has depreciated enough that – Oh, I'm sure uh, it has. I just don't. How does he fit into the Derek White, Bryn Forbes, Murray? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you put all three of those guys out there and said you're all essentially the same position, I think that might work. I mean, Tyreek Evans has played some three over the course of his career, but I don't know if Popovich is willing to embrace that kind of um, style. I I feel like he kind of holds on to some old school things, and it's obviously – I mean, he's – no one needs to defend his record as a coach. Um, but I think eventually this team's going to have to turn the page and start thinking a little bit more modern. It's going to be tough as long as DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are there. Um, but long story short, I, I agree with you that they definitely need guys who are just more versatile and can play a bunch of different positions. And I think a lot of the ones you named are probably the kind of names that they're they're, they're going to have to look at. And then, um, yeah, I mean, maybe even this is low, low end. He's 35, but Tabo Cephalosha is probably exactly what they need defensively. Yeah, that's true. Um, this is one that I probably care about way more than you. Um, but I've, I've been hearing this complaint from um, a lot of people just who don't follow basketball closely, um, but know that I cover the league. And this this is something that comes up a lot. Realistically, what can the league do? to fix or improve the players versus officials problem, including curtailing the incessant whining, too many foul calls, inconsistencies, and overall ugly relationship that brings enjoyment down so much. Um, I I honestly feel like this is a legitimate gripe for tons of casual fans. Uh, People who haven't watched the NBA in a while, they turn games on and they see it like, it's got to be at least every other call, right? That the players flip out. Um, it's to, to me, it's gotten to a point where I think they're going to they're going to have to look at it because it's become sort of a conversation. Yeah, dude, this question definitely means more to you than it would to me. <laughs> um, I know some of my measures that I throw out on Twitter probably seem like exaggerated and drastic and they probably are. But uh, I, I say even get quicker with the technical foul calls. Um, 
the fines obviously didn't work for flopping. I think if there's an egregious flop that you catch later, I wouldn't be opposed to suspensions. Uh, I, I, I think the relationship between players and officials has become so uh, just crazy to me. One thing that I think is funny is we hear over and over players say stuff like, we just want to be treated like adults. We just want the refs to have a conversation with us. And then <laughs> you turn on the game and they get called for an obvious foul and they're like screaming in the ref's face. And I think, do you really want to have a conversation like an adult? Um, so I, I honestly think we've kind of reached a tipping point on this and I would not be surprised if the league takes a look at it this, this summer. That's fair. More than fair. I mean, they, they've tried to a few times in the past and it obviously hasn't worked. So we'll see if they can figure out something that uh, moves the needle on that. Um, let's see. <laughs> this is an easy one for both of us. Kashua Joffer. What do you think of Kyle Anderson? <laughs> Legend. <laughs> he, he's so tough to figure out. I'm wondering if in Memphis, and I talked about this with Keith Parrish on the Grizzlies pod, if they could make room for him, probably easier if they end up trading Mike Conley, but just to run big lineups as the point guard, because he's, when you look at just his, physical profile you think that maybe he might be better off playing some four but he's actually better defensively when he plays the two or the three and because he's not fast or stretching the floor he's not going to be a mismatch for anyone at power forward either you put him at point guard though I think he can hold up defensively depending on who you have around him to where he doesn't have to defend a point guards exclusively there and he still has that He's, he has a nice floater, good, really good mid-range game. He shot, I think it was like 50% from mid-range when I was looking at it, and he shot, I believe, over 50% on floaters. Uh, this is the stuff that I look at, so if I'm correct, you know what I do in my free time. Yeah. I'm looking at Kyle Anderson's uh, percentage on floaters. The one thing I will say, 28 players, and I said this on the Grizzlies pod, 28 players suited up and took the floor for Memphis last year. Kyle Anderson was 27th in shot attempts per 36 minutes. That's wow. what really gets me. He just doesn't he doesn't want to score. He's a really good passer and his uh it's not really a change of pace dribble, it's just that he's so slow and methodical but under control when he's through traffic. I really like Kyle Anderson. Uh, he's not really the uh, in in your words, the funnest um instead of funner. He's not the funnest <laughs> player to watch, but he can be a, a very effective player. I wish that I'm not going to be one of those people that said if he could only develop a jumper, but if he's going to hit a high percentage of his um pull up mid-rangers, just shoot them more. You know what's interesting? Even though he shot 26.5% from three this year, he still had an effective field goal percentage of 56. I mean, that is impressive. So maybe, like you said right there at the end, maybe um, three-point shot isn't critical for him. I think it would obviously still help. I When the Mike Conley jazz rumors were flying around the trade deadline, I remember going back and forth with Joe Mullinax, um, who runs the SB Nation Grizzlies site. And I eventually got him to agree to a deal that would give the jazz both Conley and Kyle Anderson. Um, I, I'm still very, very high on him. I think we, we were just talking about positionless players. I think he is certainly one. Um, offensively, he can play basically one through four. And like you said, defensively, he's good on the perimeter too. So he's, um, I think, I think he started off really slow with the Grizzlies, and a lot of people maybe jumped off the bandwagon. But I think he's he just does so many things at a smart and high level. So I'm still 
very, very much in on Kyle Anderson, as suggested by the shout-outs at the end of each episode. He That was the one shout-out that made sense, by the way. When I, I don't know if you listen to the Grizzlies pod yet, but I, when I gave Kyle Anderson the shout-out, Ben Udre gets nothing when you're not on the podcast, so he's, he's got <laughs> no love over the past month, really. Uh, it actually made sense because it was the Grizzlies podcast, so shouting out Kyle Anderson. He, I was correct, by the way, 50% for mid-range, 54.5% on floaters. The sample size isn't huge, again, because he didn't shoot, and uh, he had that injury that shortened his season, but he's not useless as a scorer. I'd like to see him shoot more, though, and I'm not saying shoot more threes, although that would obviously be nice, but... I mean, he shot even shot about 66% in the restricted area too. So this can be an effective offensive player. I do wonder if he'll ever add any volume whatsoever to his game. Yeah. Uh, this one's kind of interesting to me. Hey, I'm Wade County B at Hey, I'm Cuban B. Um, comparison between PG-13 and Kawhi. Curious who you'd want going forward, considering PG-13 had such a great year, but Kawhi is a beast in the playoffs. Kawhi's turned to a volume shooter over the past few games. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think this is a tough question. I think it's clearly Kawhi yeah. for me, just before you give your answer. And there's I'm, Paul George tapered off a bit in the playoffs, That you know, the shoulder injury and everything. If you're looking for someone who can carry a team, Paul George is more equipped to do that than I think people give him credit for. We saw it a lot in Oklahoma City this year. He needs... He needs a 1B or a, a number two option way more than Kawhi Leonard does. Yeah. Which is weird because he's, I would rather have him. I, Leonard gets assists. Oh, he has that, I don't want to say that Westbrook air about him where he gets assists by force or default because he's such a draw. But I would say Paul George is by far, if, if you want someone running pick and rolls and making creative passes, I'd probably pick Paul George pretty comfortably there. There's that element of ugliness to Kawhi Leonard's game that I, I think Paul George's is a little bit smoother. And ugliness isn't the word. He just has to exist outside the flow of the offense at times. And hey, dude, it's fine. Kawhi Leonard is spectacular. He's the player I would pick. Uh, and when he when he locks in on defense, he's he's better than Paul George. I know Paul George is a monster, but when yeah. some of the defensive plays we've seen Kawhi Leonard make during the playoffs, just it's looked like vintage defensive player of the year, Leonard. It makes me wonder if is this the first season? I know he was on that maintenance program, but is this the first season where he had like some iteration of cruise control engaged. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to play my ass off on defense like I normally would so that I'm ready I, for the I postseason. Clearly Kawhi too. And I don't really have a ton to add to that. Um, we had, I think we had two people. Okay. Uh, at the King hippie hmm. and at, <laughs> at Sabine got game. Both ask, Pretty much the same thing. Um, Sabine Got Game asks, what roster changes do you think the Nuggets will have to make? And then King Hippies was just free agency related. But they're both about the Nuggets. What are the, what should the Nuggets do this offseason? They can't really do anything. They'll have the non-taxpayers mid-level exception, even if they bring back Paul Millsap at his full price point. Uh, they run the risk of hard capping themselves I guess or no I think they had enough last time I looked at their cap sheet enough wiggle room below the tax where it was fine they could also just decline Millsap's team option and then maybe broker something cheaper then you run into the issue of though Malik Beasley Juan Hernan Gomez though I'm not sure how valuable he is to them Jamal Murray and Torrey Craig all need new deals for 2020 and if you actually have Millsap on the books at any number your payroll gets untenable they need a they need the player that Michael Porter Jr. is supposed to be 
not necessarily yeah. offensively, but certainly defensively. And so can you find that in free agency? Damari Carroll, we mentioned him for the Spurs, is probably a really good fit there and I think affordable. I don't know if Trevor Ariza would consider signing with them. That's another name for them to look at. But but that type of player, maybe even someone as cheap as a Jay Menace. I know I'm sort of recycling names here, but uh, defensively they need the player that Michael Porter Williard could project to be if he doesn't have any uh, other back issues. Um, any thoughts on the Tim Connolly stuff? I thought it was weird if he's, I don't know what the extenuating family circumstances are. That's what Woj reported. That's the, that he would only take meetings with the wizards for that reason, because they're located in Washington. I understand it from that perspective. I don't want this to be spun as Denver's willingness to let its executives interview with other teams. You don't want to pay your executives. It's like Cleveland. They don't, the, the nuggets, maybe not as egregious because it does seem like they've kept some people there. But they don't. They're not going to give big money to executives. Just like uh, Memphis isn't going to give a ton of money to coaches. If he leaves because of money, that's I don't inexplicable to me. Yeah, um, I think Denver has a really strong front office, so they would not that they'd be fine if Tim Connolly left. But I think they have some pretty good guys to fall back on. But I, I think a lot of Nuggets fans are understandably frustrated if he leaves for more money and the nuggets won't match it it's it's not a good look for the commitment of ownership um all right last one and then i've got to take off what's terrence ferguson good on defense who asked that question i'm gonna answer it um i i I scrolled past earlier at martin wheezy or no at arto wheezy i think he's a good team defender and trustworthy off the ball, I don't trust him to guard true wings would be my official stance. If you need him to I, – I, I, the one thing I did recognize about him during the regular season was he was pretty good defending the pick and roll, but I wouldn't trust him for anything going up against truer-sized wings. I love that you answered that one. Um, I'm just going to stick with your answer. What changes do the Rockets need to make in order to beat the Warriors at no cap fantasy? God, I thought you said you had to leave. This is a 45-minute question. <laughs> no, it's, it's – honestly, what are they supposed to – the one change I think that they have to make it's is – It's another team that's kind of – they're just kind of stuck anyway, right? Yeah, and I think now it's – you need to use your mini mid-level this summer. There's uh, there's no excuse. They didn't use it this year. They gave away James Ennis at the trade deadline. I'm not saying he would have been the difference in a Warrior series, but he definitely would have helped. You need to deepen your wing rotation somehow, whether it's investing the mini MLE and – one singular player or if you can split it that's you know two point something million per play you have to you have to commit to spending to it now because even if the Warriors lose Kevin Durant I don't think you default to favorites it certainly makes Golden State more beatable but with this core I don't see how you lock yourself into uh Chris Paul's money and it's not even about James Harden's money to me like you know what that's the that's just what James Harden is a top five player that's just what he's going to cost yeah so if you were going to lock yourself into Chris Paul's money and then still pay, I know you drew uh, the Capella negotiations were drawn out, but if that's what you were going to pay him and you're looking at this and you're saying, hey, our three-player core next season, and even with Eric Gordon, because he's not making chump change, $106.8 million to Gordon, Capella, yeah. Harden, and Paul. You have to commit to going into the tax. What's the cap projection for next year, like 109? 109, and so they they blow past it with P.J. Tucker. They're at yeah. one fifteen and change. I just did the exact same thing, one fifteen point one with those five guys. Um 
so yeah, there's there's not a lot they can do <laughs> this summer to I think drastically raise their ceiling. I think it seems like Daryl Morey always makes moves when we think they're impossible, though. So I'm I'm sure they are going through all kinds of different scenarios right now, trying to figure out what they can do to be better. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's largely the same team back next season. Which and I don't um, know who they trade to do anything. Maybe I I wouldn't trade Tucker. That sounds so dumb. I yeah. I don't think you can trade CP3 and hope to get better. To tie it back to the beginning of this episode, um, is that is that a team where the Warriors are are suddenly a lot more vulnerable if they don't have Durant? Is that a team that they're suddenly more vulnerable to? You mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, and I think that's what why people overreacted to the Rockets losing in six games. The Warriors are still the Warriors. And I know that they would be going up against a similar team, if not a potentially deeper one, depending on which veterans join them, how they use their minimum level, blah, 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 blah. But if you have to go through, this is our point before we both said, if you have to go through an entire season without Kevin Durant, that's extra wear and tear on Curry, yeah. Green, Clay Thompson, Iguodala, probably. So they could do nothing or do and they can really only do the bare minimum unless they're going to look at trading Clint Capella. And I don't know if we I, – I haven't looked at a potential Clint Capella trade market. I don't know what you get for him. So I don't think they need to go nuclear or do anything drastic to improve their title odds. But at the same time, it's not a good place to be in when your championship chances sort of hinge on Golden State's disillusion. That being yeah. said, I commend the Rockets for going after the Warriors as they were currently constructed. That's what I, I'm going to, the whole saving money thing, That's I'll harp on that, but I, I do commend them for these past couple seasons for really going for it. Absolutely. I agree. And with that, uh, we've wrapped up another wildly successful mailbag. Um, if you want to hit us up on Twitter with more questions or gripes about the answers that we provided today, uh, like Dan said at the top of the show, he's on Twitter at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Um, as always, you should also be following at Blue Wire Pods. If you're an NBA fan, we've got podcasts from all over the league. We've got some very well-known ones as well, the Light Years Pod, the Chase Down Pod. Um, there's the Blue Wire Buckets Pod, which we recently started at the network, and it's sort of like a rotating a uh, panel of hosts from around the networks and, and it's reacting to the playoffs. So that's been fun too. Um, if you haven't already rate review and subscribe to the show. Uh, if you have, obviously you need to share with your friends and family. And until next time we, we, <laughs> we leave you with the shout out to Kyle Anderson, but obviously, um, and I think very, very importantly, Ben Udry. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.